Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. All right, y'all. We are going back to our roots with a Midwest 2020 mini tour. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Thank goodness. Corn-fed entertainment. Tater tot hot dish. Mm, hot dish 2020. We are going to be in Indianapolis on March 18th, Chicago on the 19th, and the Twin Cities, a.k.a. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Ever heard of it? On Saturday, March 21st. Got some more dates. Amanda, what else do we have? From there, we're going to be going to St. Louis on March 23rd and Kansas City, Missouri, Trump, <laughs> on March 24th. Tickets can be found at our website, wineandcrimepodcast.com. So keep your eye out, get those trigger fingers ready, mm-hmm. and buy them before they sell out, baby. Yes, please. We can't wait to see you all. See you in March. Welcome back to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. We're your hosts, Lucy, Kenyon, and Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) Today's topic is arson. Oh, yeah. So hot. Hot topic. So hot. Hot topic. Hot topic. (laughs) Hot mic. Before we get too lit. Uh, Amanda, what are we drinking? Oh my God. I'm still recovering from how terrible that joke was, but <laughs> I've got it together. Um, this crime pairing was actually suggested to me this week by Dan Larson. What up, Dan? Proposed Dan. Hashtag Hashtag proposed Dan. Dan. Oh, good God. Um, Dan used to work at a liquor store and remembered a wine called <laughs> De Fuego, which translates to of fire. This is a Garnacha de Fuego. It's a 2009. It's a full-bodied Spanish red out of Calatayud, Spain. And it was chosen this week not only for its name, de Fuego, meaning of fire, but also for that classic Garnacha black pepper kind of note that you get from this wine. Mm-hmm. Kind of peppery, kind of fiery. Garnacha grapes are the second most planted red wine grape variety in Spain. They're planted kind of all over the country, but they're most notably found in the northern and eastern part of Spain. And this same varietal is also grown in the U.S. and France. In France, it's known as Grenache. Um, it's a pretty common grape. You're going to drink it pretty much all the time. Um, out of this particular bottle, you're going to get notes of intense dark fruit, plum, cherry, all that yummy stuff. And it's pretty perfect with what I liked to see, red meats and strong cheeses, two of my favorite things. Mm, the stinkier, the um, better. Right? Always. Also, today I learned that if you uh, go on the Total Wine website, you can order things for in-store pickup. Oh, hell yeah. Mom, did you hear right? that? Yeah, seriously. So that's the crime pairing with a shout out to not only Dan, but the awesome folks at Total Wine Go online, pick your wine, go pick it up. Hell Amanda, yeah. you spoke about that Grenache with panache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I was saving Ba-doom. it. Yeah, you, you were get waiting. like minimum three rim shots per episode. <laughs> 
Not to be confused with rim jobs. No. That's where I went. I actually already opened this bottle before we started recording, so we're good to go. I already have my class. <laughs> I'm having my first sip of alcohol in a month because I've been sick, mm. and I'm finally feeling like a human again, so decided to wreck my body. Here we go. Let's do it. Kick it off with that first crime. We're actually going to start with some more background instead of a crime. So a couple things to know about arson, just plain old regular boring arson. It's a class A felony. There are different degrees, just like with other felonies. So first degree is burning uh, an unoccupied or sorry, burning an occupied structure. So the first degree is the worst, right? Slash best. <laughs> uh, the third degree, which is the least uh, severe, is burning an abandoned building or structure. Okay, so pretty much everything we tried to do when, like, practicing witchcraft in middle school. Yeah. Pretty much all of our <laughs> sacrifices. Yeah. Can I also point out? Can I also point out the irony that these degrees are in reverse order than? Like burns, like third degree. Oh, yeah. I never oh even thought my about God. that. That's what tripped me up. Yes, you're so right. Okay. So, listeners, Weird. don't get confused. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty bad. Second degree is burning an unoccupied, but you know, still usable structure. So burning a house or apartment building that no one's living in, maybe a house still under construction or something like that. Or they're out of town. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't Does know occupied if... mean the people have to physically be in the building for it to be Good that question. level? What about I pets? Yeah, I think if someone just generally lives there, it's considered occupied. Okay, I rank pet over human pretty much in all ways yeah. of life. So who doesn't? Absolutely, yeah. Calling that first degree. Except for people that like <laughs> have pet rats. <laughs> yeah, pet rats are fucking hey, creepy. Don't yeah. judge. I used to have gerbils. That's way oh, worse. God. I had literal lab rats. Like gerbils. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Once Lucy, when I went to pick her up for <laughs> ninth grade homecoming, you know, it was our first <laughs> school dance. We'd all spent hours getting ready, trying to look good despite our braces. Who's we? <laughs> Me. <laughs> and I my mom drives me in the minivan to go pick Lucy up and she comes out of her house with her hair unbrushed and her dress like falling off one shoulder and her shoes in her hand and a mason jar with a live mouse in it and she's like there were a couple of mice and if you want to hear the backstory, I've got it ready. We had an infestation of mice in my house around that period of time. And they would die in the walls and they would smell really bad. And my dad put out glue traps, which are just inhumane. So I oh made my it my God. mission to set up really elaborate live mouse traps. And I trapped them and put them outside. And I'm positive they went straight back in the house. But still, is the thought. You are the Mother Teresa of mice. She spent her entire afternoon chasing mice instead of like brushing her hair. I wasn't chasing. I was capturing them with a bed sheet. Okay. <laughs> Let's right. get back to the to, to arson <laughs> instead of rat wrangling Pied Piper. Okay. okay. So the worst or uh, the first degree is burning a uh, occupied structure or a school. So any type of oh, school. Kids. Is always going to be first degree. People don't l look 
kindly upon burning children. Right? Usually. Yeah. Qualms. So the vast majority of arsons, like 95%, are actually just once-offs motivated by a personal dispute or uh, financial gain. So like Mm -hmm. insurance fraud. Got it. Um, That is pretty boring. Just those once-off arsons, usually. Let's instead focus on serial arson, which is much more interesting. The difference between pyromania and serial arson is a little bit blurry, but I'm going to try to break it down for you. So pyromania, again, comes from the Greek word. Always Greek. The Greeks, man, they invent everything. Including necrophilia. Mm -hmm. Right? Necrophilia, pyromania, they got all of the weird pathological shit down. Mm -hmm. Democracy. (laughs) (laughs) Kleptocracy, which is what we're moving towards. Pyromaniacs uh, start fires to induce a feeling of euphoria. Mm-hmm. So it could be a sexual thrill, a type of sexual euphoria, or it mm-hmm. could just be a sort of emotional bliss-like state. I have so much. Well, not so much, but my guy's got some of that firefucker shit going on. It's real <laughs> creepy. I think I'd be an arsonist just because I really like the smell of a burning match. <laughs> oh my God, me too. I like want to really poop. Just for the excuse to light that uh-huh. in my bathroom. Which reminds me, Dan, pick up more matches on your way home from work, please. A lot. Go, <laughs> like a lot. I'm burning go, through them. Go to Sam's Club. Ba-doom. Pick up. How many rim shots do we have now? Box. So... For pyromaniacs, starting fires is a compulsion, and not surprisingly, they suffer from impulse control disorders, so they Mm -hmm. just can't stop themselves. And many of them often fixate on institutions of fire control, like fire departments or firefighters. Arson, on the other hand, is defined as the deliberate setting of fires for personal, monetary, political gain, or vengeance, or malice. Almost all pyromaniacs are serial arsonists, mm-hmm. but not all serial arsonists are pyromaniacs. Okay, it's kind of like that whole all squares are a rectangle, but not all rectangles are squares, or is it the other way around? I was not paying attention in geometry at all. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't even answer that. No. Okay, so listeners, <laughs> show us your skills, because <laughs> we all took integrated math. <laughs> people that don't like math sorry about it yeah remedial (laughs) you forgot a word it was remedial okay there are several non-pathological motivations for arson number one destruction of evidence of other crimes that took place at that scene oh right so Uh, somebody wants to like cover up a murder they think that they can like burn that the area down to get rid of all the evidence which is such bullshit Yep. Watch well, forensic I mean, files, idiots. Right. That never mm-hmm. works. Yep. Amateur mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some less sexy versions of that would be starting a fire to destroy financial records if you've embezzled. Lame. Yeah. Or like broken some kind of financial law. Or uh, <coughs> to cover up a theft. So if you steal an item and then burn where that item is stored, you could say, oh, it was destroyed in the fire. That would only work for certain things that you're stealing, though. Like, if you stole someone's 
birth certificate. I don't know. I feel like that only works for <laughs> paper paper theft. Yeah, yeah it's not going to work for like metal objects right. or melt yeah, it down lot, or bone. Goods. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Because fragments stick around. Mm -hmm. Insurance fraud. Mm -hmm. um, obvious. Next, revenge. Oh, now we're getting into the good stuff. Yeah. What's really interesting about this one is that um, retaliation or revenge is uh, more likely to be the cause for arson committed by young people. Okay, so, so angsty kids. Exactly. They, they're retaliating because they feel like they've been persecuted. Okay. I can understand yeah. that. This is fitting yeah. in so well with my crimes. The most rare type is uh, for suicide. Yeah, that would be yeah. the worst way to kill yourself. The worst. Yeah. Why? Yeah, why yeah. would you do that? I think stabbing yourself in the stomach is maybe the worst. Oh my God, a lady well, did that in a parking garage in Minneapolis like five years ago, of course, in the same parking garage where I had parked for work downtown. Oh, hell oh yeah. And they blocked off the parking garage. They thought it was a murder, but then it turned out, unfortunately, she was on a lot of crack and she stabbed herself repeatedly in the stomach in the stairwell of this parking garage. And the police had to lock down the whole garage and they like escorted me to my car and I was like, can you walk me right past the body? And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. And I was like, Sneak peek? fine. No, I couldn't peek. They like ushered me through the skyway around. I couldn't go in the stairs at all. They like made your sure I took the elevator. You're on a list. <laughs> yeah, I am on a list. Yeah, you're definitely on a list. Yeah, now that I think about it, nobody else got escorted to their car. <laughs> Just kidding, they all did, but it was wild. Okay, murder also, and uh, terrorism is another cause uh, of arson. For example, the burning of the Muslim religious center in Texas. Oh, right, yep. Fuck mm. white men, basically. So I wonder... Does bombing count? Does bombing count as arson? I was just going to ask that, because could that be considered oh. the incendiary device if it's a small bomb uh -huh. that's, like, with the intention of setting a fire? Maybe that's the differentiation there, or the distinction. You know, I didn't see anything in my notes about incendiary devices. Uh -huh. It was all more about just accelerants. Oh, like my guy uses an incendiary device. I got some incendiary devices. Yeah, so they, devices. they exist, oh. but incendiary devices and bombs are different things. Unless I would assume yeah, I you're using, you're crafting like a very small con bomb that creates a controlled explosion with the intention of starting a fire. That would be my, yeah, that would be my guess, ignites. but somebody can go ahead and email us at whineandcrimepodcast yep. at gmail.com and let us know if that is true yep. or that is false <laughs> or tweet it or yep. Instagram it or Facebook it. All the things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Serial arson is very similar in definition to serial killing. Um, so the definition for serial arson is almost, you know, virtually identical to serial killing. It's three or more fire setting episodes instead of killings. Um, with a characteristic emotional cooling off period between fires. So the arsonist is like, Did you hey, mean to say I just that? gotta be single for a while. Your cooling off period. <laughs> oh, dad jokes run rampant throughout this podcast. There are some uh, rampage or spree arsonists. For example, are either of you talking about Harry Burkhart? No, but he did come no. up okay. when I was 
you know, snooping around. All I know about him is that when he was 24, he went on a total arsonist rampage in Hollywood yep. and lit, lit fire to 50 occupied structures. So no 50 way. first degree felonies between the period of December 20th and January 2nd. He ruined Christmas. Oh my God. And New Year's. And New Year's. What a dick. Also like serial killers, serial arsonists are divided into two subgroups. Yes. Organized and disorganized. <laughs> that is me in every day of my life. <laughs> I'm operating mostly in the disorganized subgroup, but... <laughs> well, that's it. You're a serial arsonist. <laughs> or killer. The organized type use complex devices and intricate planning to elude capture. Ooh, um, sexy. Yeah, so they'll often use what's called forensic countermeasures... Like pouring the accelerant not all over the place, but specifically only onto electrical outlets to try to create the appearance of an electrical fire. Oh, that's clever, except for you can still find remnants of accelerant after burning. Yeah. yeah. Um, the disorganized type behave erratically and impulsively. Um, they're most likely the pyros uh-huh. in the group. This can sometimes make them easier to catch, or it can actually baffle investigators because huh. it's just super random. So random, there's no pattern, yeah. Right. Okay, profile. True serial arsonists are a very rare breed. Fewer than 5% of all arsons are uh, categorized as serial arsons. Mm-hmm. Serial arsonists can technically come from both sexes, but... Only 12% are women, which, hey, still slightly more than necrophiliacs. Yeah, so. beats that 8%. Yep, Gil Pala. Show up, lady <laughs> arsonists. Where you at? Okay, uh, there are some other consistent traits, so usually mental illness, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty pronounced, so they've possibly been institutionalized in the past. Oh, wow. Um, they're, it's... They're pretty off their rockers, mm-hmm. um, which is the technical term. They often suffer <laughs> problems with substance abuse. Mm-hmm. They are likely to be highly intelligent, though underperformers at work or school. Uh oh, this is also sounding <laughs> like me. Amanda, I know. I'm getting concerned. Amanda's Does falling asleep several times while trying to cook a frozen pizza make you a serial arsonist? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Once when I was studying abroad, and I had this tiny, tiny apartment, and I had just a uh, hot plate. Right, right, right. I had hat just a plate. hat plate, old gal. I had like my spatulas and stuff, and they were all like cheapy wooden IKEA, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I went and took a nap. Yeah, and- <laughs> of course <laughs> you did. Why were you that stupid? <laughs> I'm a big napper, guys. I, have I been big awake napper. for three hours? I need a nap. So I took a nap, and I woke up in my apartment. I Apparently, the fire alarm wasn't working. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the entire apartment was just jet black smoke. Oh, my God. The spatula had fallen onto the hot plate and had completely disintegrated, except for, like, a half an inch. That blows my mind, and yet... That didn't st- that didn't start a fire, but like a drunk lady falling asleep with a lit cigarette will start a fire. Uh, interestingly, serial arsonists often have no violent criminal history, but they may huh. often have convictions for other crimes such as burglary, theft, 
low-level sex crimes, but can we fucking agree that sex crimes should be considered violent crimes? Yeah. Hello? For yeah. real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Patriarchy. Yeah. Such bullshit. Patriarchy! Blast it. They often display some sort of physical disability or defects, such as skin problems or birth defects. So they're self-conscious. Oh, that makes me sad. I think it just creeps me out more, to be honest. I'm a bad person. (laughs) This is fitting in so well with my crime. I cannot wait. (laughs) They usually have experienced some sort of childhood trauma or traumatic brain injury. And or? And or. Um, (laughs) If you have just a real fucked life, both. Yeah. They're likely passive, non-confrontational, neat, fastidious. Uh, Many have gender identification issues. Um, So they might be uncomfortable with their gender, uncomfortable with identifying as transgender, maybe effeminate men or masculine women. Right, which is never fucking accepted in society. So obviously these people deal with a lot of shame and fear. Yeah. And so that's not helping contribute to their condition as a serial arsonist. Why is the world such a shitty place? Yeah. (laughs) They basically feel rejected on, like, a number of levels. Right, right. So who can really blame them? Mm -hmm. Right. Burn it down, boo. Burn it down. I'm seeing a real real theme in our stories so far. (laughs) Like, I I like him. You know, I really see his point. (laughs) Yeah, we agree often. We're we're really easily swayed. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of these people's perspective. I really do. (laughs) We should not serve on juries. No. Oh, actually, this is the perfect way to get us out of jury duty. Just hand our podcast recordings over to a judge. You don't want us. I served on a jury last summer. What? I served on a jury last summer. You did? Yeah, it was a DUI case. I mean, I'm not supposed to talk about it. But, I mean, obviously. (laughs) Well, isn't it done now? Can't you talk about it after the fact, just not during the trial? The guy's probably out of prison by now, too. It was a while ago. Sweet. Save it for another episode, and we'll change all the names so he doesn't hunt you down and kill you for, I don't know, putting him away. He probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's fine. Whatever. Serial arsonists are 30 to 40% more likely to be homosexual than the rest of the population. Uh Uh-oh. Whoa, weird. My house not been burned down yet because all my friends are the gays. (laughs) 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 There's a common misconception that serial arsonists often use... Oh, okay, there is incendiary devices. I didn't remember. Uh Aha. Often use complex incendiary devices to delay the ignition of their fires. But this is a misconception. They actually prefer to set blazes with a simple match or cigarette lighter. Right, right. Old school. Most deaths by arson are actually accidental. So most serial arsonists are not trying to kill anyone. They just really want to see the fire. Okay, okay. This is the part that I personally love the most and why I wanted to do this topic. Serial arsonists... um, are among the type of criminals that are least likely to ever be rehabilitated. Oh, weird. Yeah, psychologists say that, you know, for a lot of other types of violent or very destructive crimes, you know, with enough therapy, with medication, with, you know, like programs, you can get that person back into society for most people, but not with arsonists. There's just like a horrible track record of rehabilitating them. 
That's weird. I wonder why. It's got to be up there with murder. I mean, it's like a compulsive need. Yeah, I think it ties in with a serial killing type thing. Yeah. They're, they're very, very similar. I wonder. I, I wonder if these things, you know, in terms of if you could look at the brain of a serial killer, the brain of a serial arsonist, and then the brain of someone with, like, severe OCD who has to go through these rituals to get through their day. I wonder mm. how many similarities mm. you'd see between the activity on those brains. Mm. Yeah, I bet a lot. Because, you know, obviously medication and, and some psychological treatment can help with OCD, but a lot of people with pretty severe OCD mostly just sort of learn how to be functional with it. It's not like it goes away. Yeah, yeah they, they just can't cope. cure it. Right. Yeah. So that would be that would be interesting to find out. Listeners. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, let us know. Mm-hmm. Get at us. <laughs> okay, this part's really weird. Most uh, intentionally set home structure fires, which is very specific, are uh, set in the afternoon and evening hours between 3 p.m. and midnight. Uh-huh. So, serial no, arsonists, not early risers. No, they like to operate at also the peak times of internet use. It's like their version of downloading porn and jacking off. <laughs> it's like always between the hours of 3 p.m. and midnight. <laughs> they also like to get a decent night's sleep. Yes, so, you know, I get that. home by midnight. In bed by 12.01. <laughs> Many serial arsonists are disgruntled or frustrated firefighters. <laughs> oh, my God. We know one of those. They know how to start a fire, and they know what they look for. Fair. Right. Especially volunteer fighter fighters. No. Oh, my God. No. Kyle. <laughs> maybe, Kyle. Maybe we shouldn't have invited Kyle over only to get him to bring us McDonald's, like, all those times. <laughs> While most arsonists do it out of revenge. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> We've created an actual monster. There's an actually a specific FBI profile of the serial arsonist firefighter. Uh-huh. So it gets it gets like more specific than just a serial arsonist. Uh-huh. And it includes somebody with daddy issues. Oh no. And an overprotective mother. Oh my god, lock Kenyon <laughs> up. Lock her up immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Check. Yeah. We are and at check. Risk. My last fun fact is that a lot of arsonists are actually arrested in hospital emergency rooms because they have become victims of their own crimes. Oh my god, that is <laughs> the perfect. That's like the icing on it. <laughs> so that's a little warm up for arson. Love it. Love oh. it. Kenyon, your b- background was super perfect for this first (laughs) actual you know detailed crime that we're gonna go into i there are a lot of arsonists out there it was kind of hard to narrow it down to one but this guy's given nickname is what sealed the deal for me so my person is john pillow pyro or his name is john or and they they named him the pillow pyro oh my god is this the guy on Forensic Files? Yes, there are. Yes. There's a, an amazing Forensic Files episode. I actually, after this little segment, I have listed all the media that you can find about this case because it was yes. super famous. So there's yeah. a lot of fun ways that you can kind of dive a little bit deeper into it, but I'll, I'll get you started. So this guy was active in the 80s primarily, but into the early 90s as well. He tried to be a cop in LA, but failed. Wah, wah. And <laughs> after failing, he joined the Glendale, California Fire Department. As oh my 
God. As an arson investigator. No. Yep. He was hired <laughs> as an arson investigator. His coworkers thought he was like an overenthusiastic weirdo, kind of, <laughs> because he had a tendency to chase down burglars and shoplifters in his fire truck and like try to go <laughs> apprehend them. So wait, he wait, was what still, part of the country was this? This is in California. Okay. <laughs> so he clearly was still kind of holding on to that, tried to be a cop, but it didn't really work out. Now I have a fire truck, but I'm still going to try to apprehend criminals by chasing yeah. them in my car. Um, I'm picturing Kyle doing this. Oh, my God. Oh, I absolutely. feel like Kyle absolutely would do this. His colleagues always thought he was kind of a strange dude, but they also always admired his dedication and uncanny ability to be the first firefighter on the scene. Spidey oh. senses for fires. Very curious. Wow. Yep. Hmm. He always knew um, where all the fire hydrants were. Where what the most efficient ways were to put out the fires and how to weirdly find the cause of the fires. So his colleagues okay. kind of assumed he was just super gifted and never suspected that he could actually be who they themselves had dubbed the pillow pyro. Why, why pillow? So here's the nickname origin. Perfect question, because I've got it for you right here. So the origin of the nickname actually comes from the incendiary device that he would make for all of his fires. Now, this guy was known for having lit upwards of 2,000 fires around the California area. Yes, 2,000. So, like, how diligent is this fire department? Where, oh, my God, they must be exhausted. I mean, they must be, but at the same time, it's like, bro, you are the first one on the scene for this many fires. Like, That's, like, every day... Once. Every day for how many years? I mean, it was about, it was like a 10 to 12 year span of him lighting these fires. So he spread them out. His nickname came from the incendiary device that he used at all of his fires. So they collected, obviously, like thousands of these because he had lit so many fucking fires. And he consistently used this little jerry-rigged device of a lit cigarette attached to a book of matches wrapped in paper <laughs> with like cotton bedding and then secured with a rubber band. So it, if you go to the blog, I have I have a picture of an actual uh, evidence photo of one of his incendiary devices. And I also grabbed a screenshot from the episode of Forensic Files of their like recreation of the lit incendiary oh. device. So you could kind of see I love what those. it looks like. Their recreations are oh, so The reenactments good. are so the best. Perfect. If you have ever been in a Forensic Files reenactment, please contact us at whiningcrimepodcast oh at gmail.com. Please. We will roll out the red for carpet you. for you. We, got, we have a segment for you. So the structure of this device, how it works, the cigarette burns down slowly so that he basically has time to secure it somewhere, light the cigarette, and then walk away. Because a cigarette, when you're not smoking it, it's got to take like a good 10 minutes to, to burn all the mm. way down, at least. Um, obviously then that would light the matches, which would ignite the little pillow. Okay. So as I said before, he was suspected to have started upwards of 2000 fires while working with the fire department. So again, shoddy, shoddy (laughs) police work on the part of the Glendale (laughs) fire department. Um, he went completely undetected and, you know, quite the opposite was like revered by his colleagues for being so amazing at his job as an arson inspector. (laughs) 
See, I would be that shifty-eyed colleague that works with him that's like, wait You a would second. suspect him because you have a brain in your because head. Because I'm suspicious everyone. of literally it's everyone. For the best. Everyone. You, in our last episode, you said that your dad might be yeah, a Yeah, you did. Killer. You did say that. Yeah. <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> so none of his fires ever killed anyone until 1984. Oh, God when he lit a local hardware store on fire and killed four people, including, (laughs) oh, this is where it's not super fun, including a two-year-old child and the child's grandmother. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. And two of the store employees. Super, super sad. I mean, if you really want to just ruin your day, you can listen to some interviews with, like, the child's other grandparent. Just so devastated. It's really tragic, and this guy is a complete piece of shit. And... He worked on the investigation for that fire as the arson inspector. Asshole. Yeah, of his own fire uh, that killed four people. What a and kind of made shit up about how the fire was started. He made up some shit about how somebody maybe lit like a patio furniture cushion and that's where it started. Bunch of crap. Okay. Oh, because that's a departure exactly. from what actually uh, happened. He, he swapped one pillow for another. I mean, if it's a hardware store, like usually a hardware store, you're you're in and out unless you're working there. So how was how were these people trapped inside the store by the fire? Do you know? I like to. I doubt. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure, personally. but I mean, again, he comes in, he lights it. It may take a while for you to notice that this fire has started and depending on where you are in the store yeah. i mean i'm assuming there were a lot more than four people in the store so most people got out yeah especially if it's like a big one like home right. depot that's technically a it, hardware it wasn't store. a big it wasn't I a big one this home is a depot. local hardware store Me but too. if you're you know in the back corner and you don't notice yeah. the smoke okay. and then the other people have gotten out and you're you know you're confused and it becomes dark and i mean obviously they could okay. have been killed by smoke <clears throat> inhalation before the flames even got to them you never know there's all okay. kinds of factors. That's yeah. usually what happens. So, but that is worth looking yeah. into for sure. Yeah. So question, before this, was he just a third degree arsonist? Um, Second? Was he only burning abandoned or empty buildings? I don't buildings? think he was only burning unoccupied or abandoned buildings. I think he was, which degree is that? I think he did some first degree. I'm yeah. remembering this Forensic he, Files episode He vaguely. lit a bunch of places on fire and again... Th- I'm not 100% sure because... But people just, like, Right, I wasn't aware of the degrees until we started talking about it in this episode, so I I don't feel like I'm an expert in in, uh, diagnosing him, but I can pretty much guarantee that this guy who lit over 2,000 fires was not only focusing... Oh, in fact, I know that because there were other uh, fires in little stores. He liked to go to, like, craft stores and shit, now that I think about it. To light fires. So he oh. definitely was lighting in, in occupied spaces and like businesses. Yeah, okay. like yeah. Michael's well, and stuff. I mean, go burn down Hobby Lobby, but leave Michael's alone. Yeah. Leave <laughs> Michael's alone. You leave Michael's alone. The newest, <laughs> the newest social justice campaign from the people who brought you free Brian Hathaway comes leave Michael's alone. <laughs> Believe it or not, this actually gets more ridiculous. So three years after this, he's not caught. He is not caught for this crime. Three years later, he attends an arson investigators conference in Bakersfield, California, where weird, several suspicious fires break out during During the the conference. conference? Did he light the conference on fire? Suspicious fires 
within the building that housed the conference. So I'm assuming it was like in a hotel. Right. Um, but at one of these, at the location of one of these fires that he set, investigators did find a single fingerprint on a piece of paper, which is nice. Again, if you watch this forensic files episode, they talk about this. It's extraordinarily rare for them to find a fingerprint Mm. from a fire, let alone a fingerprint that they can actually collect and compare against other fingerprints. Now, he never have 2000 other opportunities to do this, like one out of 2000. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. there it is. That's that's literally one out of 2,000 they found any kind of forensic evidence. But I'm just surprised he hadn't burnt all his fingerprints off. I know, well... Like his fingers. His, his all-reliable pillow <laughs> kept him from really being anywhere close to these flames. It's just like using a lighter to light a candle, which I burn myself doing stupid shit like that all the time, but he clearly mm. was an expert. Um, so they get this single fingerprint, but they obviously, they cross check it. He's never been convicted of any crime. So he's not in any kind of database. So it goes basically into an evidence locker and is forgotten about two years after that. So it's now 1989 to give you a timeline at another conference for arson oh investigators. God. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Surprise. How many oh. conferences do they have? I'm assuming there's probably one every year or so in there's this profession. There's a fucking conference for everything. 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 Yeah. There's a conference for making robots that you can have sex with. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this doesn't surprise me nearly as much as that. Um, so, again, at, he's at another conference and, weirdly, a bunch more fires break out. This was some uh, clever investigating. Investigators compared the attendees list from the con- from the conference in 1987, my birth year, to the <laughs> conference in 1989 and identified 10 people who had attended both. So they narrowed down oh, the uh, the search by smart. yeah, by quite a lot. Um, they still had the fingerprint and they got they collected evidence from these 10 people and matched it to Joseph Pillow Pyro or so they compelled oh, sorry, John. him to give his his <laughs> fingerprint, or he didn't know that they had a fingerprint. No, I think after they they had a fingerprint from the last from the, one of the fires at the last conference, and then they narrowed down to those ten people. I'm assuming they collected some forensic evidence from each of the ten people, and then cross checked that against the fingerprint, and they matched right, it. No, I- if they don't have a warrant, oh sure, you can say no. I don't want to give you my fingerprints. Of course, and they can't force you until they get a warrant. Right, so right, right. He must have. He must have willingly. Yep. Yeah, thinking. No, I, oh, I, I'm a. I, I you, seem to remember they gathered the other fingerprints surreptitiously. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So. Oh, so I by process of elimination, maybe. Okay, okay, okay. So he was finally arrested in 1991. And after his arrest, investigators found among the tools he used to make his pillows, a manuscript he had written called Point of Origin, describing a fireman who was an arsonist. So he had written a book. He had written his own, like, novel about a fireman who was an arsonist. Oh, my God. So later in his trial, his literary aspirations became some pretty damning evidence. (laughs) And I have a quote. (laughs) I have a quote from his book to give you a little bit of a a taste of uh, what he was going for in this manuscript. Main character is Aaron. To Aaron, the smoke was beautiful, causing his heart rate to quicken and his breath to come in shallow gasps. 
He was trying to control his outward appearance and look normal to anyone around him. He relaxed and partially stroked his erection, watching the fire. <laughs> so he clearly had a, um, a sexual reaction to was he lighting like, these fires. Was he planning on sending this to, like, Simon and Schuster I, or something? <laughs> like, I have this. no idea. I think he was going to self-publish. Not bother. Was it handwritten in a ratty Probably. Book? Please say yes. 15 ratty notebooks. So he was he was later sentenced he was sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years for all of the arson, all of the other arson. Um they the uh the court life in prison for the terrible yeah. writing and 20 years for the arson. And no punishment for murdering four people at the hardware store. They're like, eh. They tried. They tried yeah. to bring down the death penalty on him, but I'm assuming. I mean, it was petitioned. I can only assume by like him being a member of the fire department and probably having some sort of positive impact on his community. <laughs> I think. I. I think he lo- he lost that. I don't know card. because you lose that. But I'm a. I know, but they didn't. But they did not sentence him to death. So fires. clearly, something worked because they just sentenced him to life in prison. He did. He. Does not ever have a possibility of parole. He is classified as a mass murderer, um, even though he only killed four people. But I mean, he's fucking. Well, more than only. three. Any more than yeah. three? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the threshold? Yeah, I think three is the threshold. Three or four? Uh, I think three. Anything more than three. So I guess four would be the first, the lowest to make okay. you mass. But if you <laughs> want to learn more about, more about or. Here, here are all the stories in the media that are about him. First off, uh, true crime writer Joseph Wambaugh, who I saw on that Forensic Files episode. We need to get him on the show. Wham-ba. He seems amazing. Yeah, Wham Wambaugh. I don't know. He's a true crime writer, and he wrote a book called Fire Lover about John. Um, the PBS science series Nova did an episode on him called Hunt for the Serial Arsonist. It aired in 1995. Cold Case Files on A&E did a, um, an episode on him called Diary of a Serial Arsonist. Oh. There is a Forensic Files episode that we've referenced several times called Point of Origin. And my personal favorite, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm totally watching it this weekend, is a made-for-TV film... On HBO from 2002, called Point of Origin, starring Ray Liotta Ooh, as no, John no. Orr. I'm watching that. So that oh. is your assignment. You have to watch Point of Origin, HBO 2002, Ray Liotta. Let's oh, do this. I love Ray Liotta. Me too. Fantastic. Lots of pictures of this guy on the blog. And by lots, I mean, I found like four that were usable. Nice. Um, so go check it out. He seems like a pretty, he looks like everybody's dad from the eighties. It's weird. Like he's again, all these criminals, I could just totally see bumping into them at the grocery store. Why do all dads from the eighties look the same and also look like serial killers? Like a pedophile or a serial I killer. I wouldn't know. Oh my god! Oh, here Again, we go. Daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! All right, Lucy, take it away. All right, so I'm going to be talking about really. I'm taking four shallow dives into okay. a couple of crimes, into four crimes, I guess. 
Cool. Um, a smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. Yeah. It's a charcuterie plate of crimes. <laughs> it's a chef's <laughs> sampler. And perfect because our wine goes with strong cheeses and red meats. <laughs> I'm going to start with one that's pretty close to home, literally. Ah. Corey. Uh, uh, is, it fucking, is it fucking Wisconsin again? No, it's Charles City, okay. Iowa. I think this is oh. the first episode where we're not talking a lot about Wisconsin. Right. Granted, it's our second episode, so, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't count for much. We have no one from Wisconsin and no one from Iowa, or uh, Russia. Oh, one, one person from Iowa. All right, we're off to a good start. Let's mix it up. Okay, so this one's roll fucked up. And okay. this is from the town that my husband is from. In 2003, a guy named Chris North killed... His friend Jason Capping by stabbing him eleven times, Ooh. and then cutting yeah. off his head, and then lighting <gasps> the house on fire to try to cover it up. What? So this oh happened. God. It's a pretty small town. Does and does yeah? So does this stabbing is where, someone eleven times classify them as that weird word for like people who stab so many times? Picantism, pic- pickerism. Yeah, picantism. Oh, Pecan Sandyism. <laughs> Oh, I I love Sandys. I do They're too. So good. <laughs> Keebler elfism. Not to make light of this because it was actually a really big issue. Okay. Um. Anyway, so he killed him, cut his head off, and then lit the house on fire to try to cover it up, presumably. So this is where the facts end and the speculation begins that they had a sexual relationship from one party to another. Not clear what it was but that was the result so it went wrong and then shit went down it went wrong either that day or like later i don't Mm -hmm. know this is all speculation and i'm only mentioning this because it was a big deal in charles city which is a town close to my heart and this is also not the only crime and that's actually all the information i have about it (laughs) (laughs) whoa they didn't really report too deeply but his, the the killer's father went to prison for manufacturing meth, so he probably didn't have the best upbringing either. Yeah, and doesn't that fall within some of our uh, some of our parameters, like a rocky childhood, substance abuse, yep. yeah, mental totally. illness, um, not feeling comfortable with your sexual identity or any other yep. kind of like yep. deep shame that you're dealing with. Yep. Yep. It's so, so crazy how cookie cutter these people start to seem when you actually know some of the some of the just triggers. Follow the pattern. Yeah. We're basically mm-hmm. psychologists now. Yep, we are. <laughs> Hire us. Listeners, send us a degree if you work at a medical university. Mm-hmm. We've obviously earned it. Okay, moving on to the next crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I found this creep named Julio Gonzalez. Oh, he came up in my research, too. I almost called Julio Uh Gonzalez as mine. So I'm so glad you're covering this guy. He's fucked up. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he was a Cuban immigrant who moved to New York City in 1980 during this huge surge of Cuban immigrants coming into the country. And when he got to New York City, he met a woman named Lydia Feliciano. Mm -hmm. They dated for about 10 years, like a significant period of time. After they broke up, he lost his job and he had a drinking problem, and she was working as a coat check girl at a place called the Bron- uh, at a place in the Bronx called Happy Land Social Club. Yep. 
We need to go. Road trip. Uh, it definitely does not still exist. Oh. <laughs> get it. I get it now. So this Happy Land Social Club was an illegal club for reasons not made immediately clear in my research, but probably just because it wasn't a sanctioned um, social club. Oh, it might be like some weird space that was used for raves and shit like that. But then why would yeah. that have a coat check? That seems like really well put <laughs> together. Hey, they're was discerning. Was this like the 70s? 80s. Okay. Okay. Late 80s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, one night he came in totally drunk and was harassing Lydia and threatening her. So she finally got him kicked out by one of the bouncers. Uh-huh. He left bought one dollar's worth of gasoline at a nearby gas station. Hey, in the 80s, that could have been a lot of gas. I mean, (laughs) it was enough. could have been like two gallons of gas. (laughs) Well, he went back to the club, doused the only entrance, obviously this was an illegal club, the only entrance to the club and lit a match. Oh my God. The creepiest part about this is that the whole fucking place went up in flames so quickly that people did not have a chance to even try to escape. (gasps) No. And investigators found people, like, frozen in time, like Pompeii style. What? Oh, They were, like, mummified by the ashes almost? They weren't mummified, but, like, they they found their bodies, like, where, like, they... They were not trying to escape. That's how wow. quick they were. They weren't, they weren't all like huddled. No, by they the were exit. like they flash were, like, burned. Correct. That is crazy. Right. Oh, oh, what a dick. I know. So, so was it? Was it just because he didn't have a history of setting fires? It was just because yeah, he was not, rejected by this girl. Right. Yeah. Not that I. Yeah. Not that they know of. He only lit one fire. That they know Fucking of. Fucking patriarchy. Yep. So this Patriot- is one of those like reactionary, uh, random, retaliatory fires, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. M- one of those because misogynist fires. Yeah. <laughs> misogynist <laughs> fires. <laughs> so the ironic part was that Lydia was one of six survivors out of eighty-seven deaths. Wait. Well, so he six didn't survivors and uh, eighty-seven. Deaths. So he didn't even kill the like <gasps> ex-girlfriend slash fiance that he had set the fire to kill. Uh, yeah. And he very well may not have been caught if she hadn't survived because she told the investigators what happened literally 10 minutes before the place went up in flames. Oh, my God. So they went to go find him, and he was so drunk, probably, that he didn't even try to get rid of the evidence. They found his gasoline-soaked clothes in his apartment. Wow. Because he's apparently he had one job. (laughs) He had one job. I can't believe he killed eighty-seven people, and the person he tried to kill wasn't one of them. That's insane to me. It's even more insane to me that this club that housed like two hundred people at least only had one exit. Well, it was an illegal club. It's not a real club, right? I know, we've but like been, we've been to parties Oh yeah, I like mean that. that could easily be one of the reasons why the club was illegal because it didn't have proper, you know, fire yeah. code procedure in place. Right. Yeah. And sure it was enough, probably tiny. There were probably only supposed to be 15 people in no, there. No, and max, I mean I work probably. in the service industry, so like I manage a restaurant. 
people always fucking scoff when you talk about how certain rules need to be enforced because of fire code. I'm going to use this exact example. People always scoff mm-hmm. at it, and then it's like, <laughs> next thing you know, you're literally <laughs> in a fucking Tinder box with 87 of your closest friends because, you know, you were not adhering to fire code. Flash that'll burned. Go, that'll go over great. I, I really think my guests <laughs> will really Let appreciate. Let me sit down and tell you. <laughs> Scooch about over. How's, how's your burger this evening? I got a story evening? for also, you. Also, let's talk about why fire code is important. Okay. <laughs> I know you want to squeeze eighteen people at this table that only seats four, but I'm gonna tell you a little story. <laughs> I think it'll work. I really think it'll work. There's this guy, Julio Gonzalez. <laughs> Have you heard the name Julio Gonzalez? Uh, I didn't think so. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so, okay, here's the here's one part that I thought was a little bit weird. He was found guilty of 174 charges of murder, which was two for each victim. Oh, wow. Don't what? really know how. Were they like, all so? Pregnant? Your notes, your nah, notes explicitly say he got charged with two counts of murder per victim. But again, this is from murder. Okay, so he maybe got one count of murder and one count of like first degree arson per person. Right. Oh, that, oh, that both, would. They're yeah. both felonies. They're both felonies so and first degree sense. arson also means that you like killed someone, right? Or that the space was occupied or something. This, that the space was occupied, not necessarily. Yeah, that so I bet someone, that's but, what. Yeah, I bet that that's what they have. meant. They got two felonies per. Mm, okay, that, that makes a lot make more, more sense. sense. It makes okay. us sound less stupid. Okay, we figured it out. Yeah, sorry, don't out. worry about it. <laughs> but listeners, if yeah, we're wrong, which we almost certainly are. <laughs> we are not we're experts. We're definitely wrong. Just <laughs> we're not experts, just fans. So there is another fire that. I've got two more. We can't talk about arson without talking about the Hartford Circus Fire, which is yes. the <laughs> worst, one of the worst fire disasters in U.S. history. Yep. Have you guys heard about this mm. before? No. I have heard about this before because I am from West Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, shit. Originally. Yep. We so converted this is, her. She's a Minnesota Yeah, they did. I moved heart. here when I was, like, barely human. Were you so, there but I was, in 1944? No. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But I was born at Hartford Hospital. Does this so explain I was probably your born horrific like, scarring? I mean, wait. <laughs> We've already shared host bio photos, so people know I'm not like completely disfigured. I don't know. It's your bio photo up. is tiny. <laughs> I hate you guys. It's really pixelated. I don't know. Send news. Uh, don't you have Send a case nudes. to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this fire happened on July 6, 1944 in Hartford, Connecticut, a.k.a. Amanda's hometown. Birth town! Woo-woo! Uh, this was uh, during a performance of the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus that was attended Ugh. by between six and 8,000 people. Wow. And uh, there was a fire that broke out, not surprisingly, because this big top that they were using, which housed up to 9,000 people was, like, finished or dipped or dyed in paraffin and then tempered what? by gasoline. Are you kidding me? And they did this pretty commonly because it's a waterproof measure. Oh, okay. But it's also really fucking flammable. Yeah, let's make this super flammable and also water-resistant. Right. 
Right. <laughs> right. Seems like a good combo. And so, 168 people died and more than 700 were injured. And if all of them were clowns, yeah. I don't feel bad about that at all. <laughs> well, Not even a little bit. The clowns can go to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Thousands it, of clowns killed in a horrific fire. They call it the day the Rejoice. clowns cried or something like that. What? Oh my God. Seriously. That is, I fucking hate clowns. Clowns are the worst. And I know, I know down the road there's going to be like a killer clown episode and I'm going to need not only alcohol, but like muscle relaxants for the entire <laughs> yeah. thing. Cause I'm going to be so upset. Yeah. So you can have some of mine. Well, for that episode, there is a Jerry Lewis film called the day the clown cried, which is about this fire. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and the reason it's brought up is because it is alleged that it was a case of arson. No way. Yeah. There's a man named uh, Robert Dale CG, which is the f name of one of my friends. So um, he claims on that day when he was about 14 years old, he had a nightmare in which an Indian, a.k.a. Native American, riding yeah. on a flaming horse, told him to set fires. And then he blacked what? out and didn't come to until this fire in the circus tent was already going. What? So it was the night before? It was just it lined up timing-wise? Yeah. Or he I was guess, blacked like, out for like a week? He didn't, he didn't confess till six years later. So Weird. all he said was that he had these visions of a Native American on a horse telling him to start fires, and he did. And then all of a sudden, the circus that he was at, I guess caught fire if i did everything that a dream native american on a horse told me to do <laughs> yeah i mean that's like every dream i ever have but it's not a native american on a horse it's share from the half breed video <laughs> telling me to do things hey, and when share tells you to do things you fucking do yeah. them yeah without question yeah. <laughs> when Cher says jump, you say how high. <laughs> I'm going to continue because my main crime is up next. My final crime. Okay. So this was committed by a man, nay, Peter Tinsdale, who later changed his name to Bruce Lee. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Because he's a fan? It's because, or? it's because, so this happened before he was caught for anything. He was born Peter Tinsdale. He's from Manchester, England. And when he was about 19 years old, his mother, who was a prostitute, remarried a guy whose last name was Lee. And as, as you will discover, Peter Tinsdale's <laughs> kind of fucked up. And he really liked Bruce yeah. Lee, and his mom married a guy named <laughs> Lee, so he changed his name to Bruce Lee. Oh, that okay. It actually it all makes sense. <laughs> I I totally follow. Continue. It was an homage to Bruce Lee. <laughs> okay, so as I said, born in Manchester, son of a prostitute. Which, by the way, there's a photo that I put of Manchester in the 1960s, and you can see how horribly depressing. That shit um, is was yeah just a derelict town. It's fucking awful. Oh, so he sad. was. Can I just can I just interject one thing? Of course, because yes. people are going to give us shit about using the word prostitute. But if you 
have an issue with it, we can talk about it offline because I've researched it for 10 years. So some people identify as sex workers, but not all people who sell sex commercially identify as sex workers. Some actually do identify as prostitutes. Continue. Kenyon's drunk. Good disclaimer. (laughs) Use that degree, girl. Use that degree. Uh, All right. Born in Manchester, (laughs) son of a self-respecting, independent sex worker, he claimed that he was bullied from a young age because he had epilepsy and also had something called spastic hermiplegia, which gave him a limb. Okay, so he's fitting. He's fitting like all the parts right now. Just wait. So he had this physical condition that made him like cross his arm, one of his arms over his chest, and he had like a deformed hand. And he attended a bunch of special schools for handicapped children, and that's what they—that's when they say he was first exposed to like homosexual interactions. Uh huh. Oh my God, he is ticking every box. Every yeah. single box. I t- I told you guys. This is crazy. So he was really kind of fucked up, didn't have the most privileged childhood, and even as an adult, when he was working as a laborer, he was known around town by as Daft Peter. It's Daft Bruce, (laughs) you assholes. But he wasn't Bruce Lee yet, was he? He wasn't, no. (laughs) But I'm gonna call him Peter Bruce, or PB, (laughs) through the rest of this story. So around the time that his mother married this guy named Lee and he changed his name which was 1979 when BP was about 19 years old BP there was a fire <laughs> Bruce Peter that's, okay that's kind of known <laughs> it's kind of popularized as the Selby Street fire oh. in a town called East Riding of Yorkshire the English are Why fucking weird does England have such fucked up like townships. I don't know. I didn't really They're pay so any attention long. to it until Harry Potter came into my life, which, yeah, I'm going to mention Harry Potter in every episode, so just get used to it right now. We know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you guys. Patriarch. Patriarch. And Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Keywords. We need to add those to the SoundCloud keywords. So that I'm people taking a tally of how many times we shout patriarchy <laughs> in every episode. That's how many shots we have to <laughs> so do at know. the end. Okay, so around this time, there was a fire known as the Selby Street Fire, and where a woman named Mrs. Hasty and her four sons, aged 8 <laughs> to 15, were sleeping peacefully. Um, she also had three daughters that were out of the house that night and a husband who happened to be in prison. Lucky him. <laughs> Yeah, he was in the right place at the right time. Right. That'll show him. (laughs) Well, he was actually released from prison, like, the next day, just out of sympathy. They were like, oh, my God. So, anyway, (laughs) not to give it away. Their house, a fire broke out in their house. Yeah. And so Charles, which was one of the older boys, 15 years old, pushed his mother out of an upstairs window, which saved her life. But by... But by opening the window, he created a draft no. that just exacerbated the rest of the fire. Oh, God. Which basically ended up killing his three brothers. Oh, my God. So Did he survive? He went. He was trying to save his other brothers. It was the youngest brother that survived. Oh, okay. So Shit. Charles, the one who opened the window, and, his t- and two of his other brothers died. Oh. So... Man. 
the cops thought that there was something a little suspicious about this, and they're questioning the neighbors, yep. and all the neighbors were like, oh my, well, we don't really care. Like, that family was kind of dirty. They were what? problematic. Like, they were trashy. We don't care. Oh, so, damn it. People are vile. Um, and the investigators, this kind of came to a head at the joint funeral for all three of the boys. Oh. And where all the townspeople were like, eh, whatever. And the investigators were there, and they're like, well, this is kind of fucking weird. Um, by the way, that joint funeral was followed by a joint grave. All three of them were buried in the same grave. No. Yeah. I want to be buried. I, I want to be buried me. on top of both of you. Let it be known. <laughs> Let it be known. I call middle. Yeah, you're the sandwich. <laughs> no, yep. I'm a snuggler. I call no, middle. No, you're on no, the bottom. I already called we it. We both want to just crush you for all I'm, of eternity. I'm bottom bitch. You're bottom bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so after the co the investigators were at the funeral and they thought that something was kind of amiss, they started to ask some teenagers in the neighborhood to volunteer to be interviewed to see what they say about this family to try to find out who the arsonist would have been because by then they're they're kind of thinking that this arsonist must have had a motive. Sure. It might have been a grudge thing. Right, right. The investigators started interviewing all these people and for whatever reason... PB, Peter Bruce, uh -huh. volunteered himself to be interviewed by the cops. Oh, dear. And he held it down for about six months. This investigation took forever, so they regularly interviewed these people for six months, and eventually PB confessed to the fire, saying that wow. it was revenge against Charles, the older son, because there was Shit. some kind of sexual contact, not clear oh. what it was. I know. Oh, um, my God. So there was sexual contact, I presume, between PB directed towards Charles, because then Charles was 15 years old at the time, and he tried to extort money from PB, because oh. PB was 19, okay. not a minor. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. so... And then on top of that, one of the daughters, 16-year-old daughter Aunt, uh, Angelina, was one of the daughters who wasn't home when this fire broke out, and... Uh -huh. PB was infatuated with her, totally in love with her, and his sister. Oh Char no, sorry, I got confused. Charles's Never sister. Mind. Yeah, got it. Charles's sister Angelina. Uh, Peter Bruce had a crush on Angelina, and apparently also her brother Charles. And um, they think that she was the, actually the target of this fire because he started the fire towards the back of the house where her room was. Ah. She so uh, a lot of this family kind of gave him shit because he had such a crush on Angelina, but she wasn't sure. responding and she thought he was a fucking creep because he had a crippled hand and an arm and he was stupid and like whatever. Sad. She should have oh just God. been nice to him and then maybe he wouldn't no. have like. She no. was 16 no. years old. No, no one's nice when no. they're 16. Do not victim blame Angelina. <laughs> you take that back. Uh, <laughs> Angelina's not the only victim here. PB's a victim. Yeah. Angelina still... wasn't a vic an actual victim. All her brothers died, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. She so wasn't then even she's there. Fine. Never she mind. She wasn't even oh, there. Okay. Yeah. Her entire family <laughs> set ablaze, but she's it's saying no thing. She's fine. Okay. She I'm not saying. Nice I'm not saying. Oh, she should have just made out with him because then he would have gone away. <laughs> just jerk I'm him saying, off don't a make don't What's make fun of a handicapped person for their handicap and then be expected 
to like All not right. have something bad happen as a result. <laughs> well, you could That's... be elected president. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you fucking could, couldn't you? All right, we're going yeah. on a tangent because this is totally not the main point of this story. Right. So he confesses to this fire and then subsequently confesses to nine other fatal fires over the past seven years. So he's killed upwards of ten people now at this point. Yeah. So And never been caught for any of them. Correct. So this fire was how he got caught, but then it comes out in the end that he's been having these episodes since he was 12 years old what? he's been he was setting fires using paraffin and matches oh so he learned from the uh, the tent incident in hartford in Basically. the 40s uh-huh. how to make an incendiary device yep so he killed 15 people by the time he was 19 and his youngest <gasps> victim was six months old Oh wow. Oh, my God. And dozen more victims were burned or otherwise severely injured. So Oof. those are just the people that he killed, but he affected, like, a shit ton of people. Oh, for sure. Like Angelina. Go on. Oh, God. <laughs> Hashtag you free can Angelina. You are going to be bitter about Angelina the rest of the time. I really am. <laughs> I really am. I so, know. His M.O., he would dump paraffin in through, like, a, an open window or, like, a mailbox or somewhere. Or he would enter the house and dump paraffin around and then light it. Because paraffin's super flammable. Flammable, yeah. What a fucking crazy. Yeah. So, here's one of my favorite parts, which I feel Oh, my God. So, one of his yeah. victims was this elderly man who slapped Peter Bruce for disturbing some pigeons on his property. So <laughs> so Peter Bruce came, he said, I'm going to kill you. And then later he came back and he wrung the necks of all the pigeons in the yard. And How then, did he catch them all? That's huh? amazing. How did he catch all those things? I know. That I is know. A, and he that is amazing. Deformity. <laughs> so so he killed all the pigeons and then he broke into the old man's house dumped paraffin on his sleeping body as he was sleeping in an armchair and then lit him on fire oh god so that, was one. that is so graphic over some fucking pigeons yeah Come on. well the guy slapped him <laughs> all right I mean, yeah. okay fair all enough right. he for sure killed 15 people but wow. he actually pled guilty to 26 counts of manslaughter, and that what? included a fire at a retirement home that killed oh. 11 guys between the age of 65 and 95. But that fire was later proven to be caused by the boiler. So, so it was, was later overturned on appeal, although PB never actually denied starting that fire. So I kind of think he did. He just ended up getting away with it. But he's still serving yeah. a life sentence in a psych ward. So, or whatever. was he potentially yeah. taking credit for fires that he didn't start yeah. on top yeah. of the ones he did because he well, was just, like, wanting the cred? More fame, right? Yeah. After the investiga- After he told the investigators that he did the uh, Selby Street fire, yep. they thought, and he was like, oh, and then I did these other ten fires or whatever. And right. so they got suspicious, so they drove him around town, and he pointed out all these places where he started fires. And then they, to, to you know, kind of verify what he was saying, they drove out to a place where there was a really notorious fire 
but that they hadn't solved, but that the public kind of knew about. And they were like, so what about this one? And he goes, no, I've never been out here. Oh. So they really do think that he was telling the truth okay. about the fires hmm. that he started. Okay. So All I'm right. kind of thinking that he did kill 26 people. Oh, I don't, I don't necessarily doubt that. I'm just curious. Yeah. It probably also happened to have had a shitty boiler, but he could have still started it. And yeah, maybe That's he true. found out somehow that the boiler was faulty and exploited that to create some sort of fire. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What was true. his job? Did he have a job? He was a general laborer. Well, so, there you no. go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so what also leads me to believe that he probably did start that fire is he once boasted that his goal was to break the Guinness Book World Record for serial killers, like, number of murders. Wait, there's a Guinness oh, World impossible. Record for that? There has to be a oh, recorded yeah, record. Yeah, but why but would huge. they put that? Like, I'm imagining the book that you can get now for the Guinness World Record that's, like, all glossy and has, like, a hologram on the front of it. <laughs> and it's, like, most jump rope skipped. Longest fingernails. People murdered. World's longest fingernails. Largest nails. ball of twine. <laughs> yeah. Built by one man. I don't know. Th- this, was, this had Guinness Book quoted, like, it was in the quote, but I don't know. Maybe it's not. You'd also have to set some pretty strict parameters because, like, terrorist acts. Right. You kill a lot of people in, you know, like Oklahoma City bombing or 9-11 yeah, or whatever. But that doesn't yeah. classify a you as a serial killer. From... You're a mass right. murderer like, at that, that point. Count. Right. right, exactly. Well, this just goes to show kind of how big of an idiot he was because he's a fucking idiot. Um, one of his quotes was, I am devoted to fire. Fire is my master, and that's why I cause <laughs> these fires. Oh my god. <laughs> Did he write the foreword of that other guy's book? Fire lover. Clearly. <laughs> Did he stroke so I... his erection while watching the flames? <laughs> Probably. He thought Angelina was in that fire. He definitely did. I just want to read this quick funny line from Murderpedia since we were talking about how, like, inappropriate and unreliable it is. <laughs> I had to laugh at that. It has a lot of stuff on it, though, that can be corroborated. Just saying. Yeah. It can, yeah. but, like, the phrasing is it's entirely all, it's inappropriate. so terribly written. So terribly written. So here's a line from Murderpedia about our friend PB. <laughs> okay. About 18,000 people were questioned during the investigation of the fire until one of the victims was discovered to have been acquainted with various homosexuals who frequented the public restrooms near his home. <laughs> <laughs> this was written by like an angry mom with an I want to speak to a manager haircut. <laughs> I can I can picture her chunky highlights so clearly. Chunky highlights. Dabbling with homosexuals and that's why he became an arsonist because homos are sinners. I can see her her reading Now give me glasses. a box for my salad. <laughs> her frameless I reading glasses. On the side. I said Ranch and croutons on the side. I can't eat this. Make a new one. <laughs> Do you fucking speak English? <laughs> this is America. Listeners, if you exhibit any one of these traits, stop listening. <laughs> yeah, unsubscribe. Now. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's it for me. 
Well, um, I can round this out with a joke. A sadist, a masochist, a murderer, a necrophile, a zoophile, and a pyromaniac are all sitting on a bench in a mental institution. <laughs> Obvious. Oh, oh, my God. Let's have sex with a cat, asked the zoophile. Let's have sex with the cat and then torture it, says the sadist. Let's have sex with the cat, torture it, and then kill it, shouted the murderer. Why a cat? <laughs> Lucy, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Let's have sex with the cat, torture it, kill it, and then have sex with it again, said the necrophile. <laughs> Let, yeah. Let's have sex with the cat, torture it, kill it, have sex with it again, and then burn it, said the pyromaniac. There was silence, and then the masochist said, Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? That's so fucking Get it. Dumb. <laughs> I just, I just wet a little bit. I know I have to pee so bad. <laughs> okay, so this was the second episode of Whining Crimes. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Special thanks this week goes out to our two Patreon uh, supporters, Zach Cohen, who just happens to be my fiance, but that's totally not why he did <laughs> oh, yeah. it. Hashtag propose Dan. <laughs> propose Dan. <laughs> and become a donor. <laughs> Donate Dan. <laughs> Our, our other actual, legit, none of us know this person in real life, <laughs> Patreon supporter, Anna Exiga. I don't know if I said your name right, but you're amazing. We love you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Sound mixing by Dan Larson. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wine and Crime Pod. All Wine and Crime episodes are available on SoundCloud. For more episodes and info, visit our website at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Until next week, keep it creepy.